Oh yeah, yeah, I think I actually uh, watched that one. Uh, the strategy, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a really awesome guy. Um, yeah, that's that's the one I watched, sort of. Good yeah, feel for you. It was a good show. Yeah, it was good fun. Um, very natural to- guy to talk to. Uh, strategy, a very nice person. Yeah, it makes me a little nervous though, because uh, you know, like I haven't I haven't told any drill sergeants to fuck off or anything. <laughs> I, I'm just sort of a like boring, you know, run of the mill ex stoner. <laughs> ex stoner, not anymore. <laughs> no, I quit about three years ago. And, uh, you know, it's like you're smoking pot every single day. You're just as high as you were yesterday. And, you know, I've been sober for three years. I'm still just as high as I was yesterday. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you're based in America, is that right? Yeah, yeah, North Carolina. Okay. Is it is pot legal there? Because it's state by state, isn't it, in, in America, right? Oh, oh, God, no, but no. no. <laughs> oh, yeah, it doesn't matter, no. no. Yeah, yeah. Yes, right. We got our ways. Yeah, right now I'm I'm in Canada, and uh, I was actually here for the turn of when it became legal. Um, oh yeah, and that was a bit of a crazy day uh, going downtown yeah, for that. Yeah, I can imagine. God, I've never seen so many like news vans and I think it's news helicopters as well, just all outside this one shop in downtown Montreal. Absolutely <laughs> yeah, insane, it, man. And it's uh, pretty hot news. <laughs> lines upon like the line went for miles just for people to be in line for the first day, and it stayed like that for weeks and months afterwards. Um, oh yeah, I believe it. I mean, I wouldn't even smoke it anymore. But shit, I, I'd, I'd get in the line just to say I bought pot legally. Oh yeah, that's, that's what a big accomplishment. Yes, yeah, what I did. It's like I just I thought you know I don't smoke myself, but for the hell of it, I'll buy the cheapest thing they got there just to say I did it. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, very strange, like a wine shop kind of thing. They just got it all in the back rows and little computers. You pick what you want, and they bring it down. Very, very peculiar. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I believe it. Like stoners are. Uh, they're they're all about like the gear and the flashy stuff like i remember when i smoked i had all my bongs like on display and my parents fucking hated it but you know <laughs> that's how it goes yeah yeah did you have a, a rider a wide array of uh of bongs oh or my it? god i yeah. still do I, I i try to get all my friends to take this shit but you know I've, I've got like an entire drawer just filled with all these stupid shit and you know it's funny i probably spent like four hundred dollars on on bongs and dumb shit like that and i just smoked out of a one-hitter you know one of those little <laughs> cigarette shaped things yeah 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 my my um cousin's partner works in a, a head shop um or used to i'm not quite sure and every instagram post that he makes is like him taking a massive hit of a bong and just tagging five people <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> every time every that's, that's time. what that's what mine looked like too back in the day yeah and what made you i, I won't give out any links but i've got a twitter page it uses my real name, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, I don't really care if people see it, but you know, it's it's just like a solid like three years of just the dumbest shit you've ever seen from like right in the middle of my stoner days. <laughs> <laughs> and what made you quit those three years ago? Uh, well, you know, it was like me and my buddy sort of talked about this once because he was uh, just recently getting into smoking pot. But you know, we we sort of realized like smoking pot helps you ask the questions, and then when mm-hmm. you quit you figure out the answers you know and like i, I don't want to go and like talk about how great smoking pot is or anything yeah but you know it's like I, I feel like it did a good thing for my personality it sort of made me realize i don't really give a fuck you know it's fine whatever happens it's fine but uh, then at the same time you know it made me complacent like i, I never would have had the initiative to like start youtube or go look for a cooler job or anything like that if i was still smoking pot every day Mm-hmm. And so you kind of, and then it's just a huge financial drain. I mean, I, I was buying like an ounce a month, and that's that's a lot of money. Oh God, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so the kind of drive was to be more 
productive in a sense or kind of uh, accomplish uh, more than you would have been able to if you were continuing that lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. The other part was just like, as you know, I, w- I was like the typical like stoner philosopher type who thinks he's like fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like I wanted to you know put those put those ideas i was having under better scrutiny like you know of course this seems like a really interesting complicated revolutionary idea if i'm baked off my ass like <laughs> let's see let's see how interesting i am when i'm sober you know uh-huh uh-huh oh well that's uh pretty cool pretty cool little backstory there i like it <laughs> um when yeah you never respect it <laughs> no not at all um <laughs> When I start off these kind of interviews, I kind of like to to give a rundown of people's statistics, like just a very quick thing to see where um, people are currently standing. And when I yeah, started yeah. this, uh, when I started getting the questions prepared for this chat that we're having now, um, you were at 100,000 subscribers, and now you're at 110, <laughs> which it keeps going yeah, up yeah, and up. Yeah, it's, it's still going up around uh, about 1K a day. It's insane. It's, I mean, you know, year and a half, get to 600 subscribers. Next week I'm at 3k. Stay there for three months, and then the, and then one month later, I just boom 110,000. Like I, I'm sure it's happened to other people. Like mm. maybe Wayne's Radio TV with like the whole Cine and AI Half Life thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as I know, like I've never seen something like that happen where a channel just goes from I love those first 600 subscribers, but essentially nobody to just like big as hell. Like Notch retweets me and shit. It's so weird. <laughs> and when you look back at that is there a particular time that that caused that big spike that you saw that you can think um you know this is what elevated everything well you know it, it's it's a, i think it's a combination of things because a long time ago like uh february maybe mm-hmm. i made this team fortress 2 video and if you watch that uh that uh that blowing up on youtube video i did you might have heard this story but yeah. uh i made that tf2 video it was about creators tf these community servers specifically and i wasn't even thinking like this and it caused me to be like negligent and word my script badly so if you are looking at things from this perspective it really sounded like i was just telling everyone to just shit on new players and they suck and they have no place in the game (laughs) obviously that's dumb new players are the lifeblood of the game but that's what that's the point my script got across so i took that video down but anyways that was a piece of shit video with a really clickbaity thumbnail and title so it did pretty well for the algorithm because it was called like tf2 is coming back or something yeah, yeah so yeah. you know if you're a tf2 fan of course you're going to click on that and then you're going to watch the first three minutes then you're going to dislike and you're going to leave and so like the algorithm favored this and the clickbaiting favored it but it was a bad video so i got like 3k subs 200,000 views whereas before that my best viewed video was like 20,000 yeah so yeah that boosted my subs a lot but that happened again at the beginning of uh of uh, June or mid-June or something and this time it was on an actually really good video I did uh, why Half-Life 1 is so unforgiving like I, I think that was a quality video mm-hmm. and so a bunch of people clicked it probably because of the whole Sinian AI thing making Half-Life popular again yep. uh, yes. except this time it was a good video so they went to watch all my other stuff and I've got a huge back catalog of stuff because I mean I've been doing a video a week for almost two years now over two years now mm. uh so yeah, I mean like, you know, I I'll I'll go on YouTube and see a video I really like, check out the channel. It's got like three videos, one posted 6 months ago, and I'll just say, "Ah, whatever, I'm not going to subscribe." But when you have that huge back catalog, I feel like that sort of prompts you people to more. And then people going through that back catalog, Half-Life 1 video was blowing up, and then that led to 
my rebuilding my room and VR video blowing up, and and that got to like 1.6 million views, which is just yes. insane. <laughs> and so that's that's where I feel like the bulk of this momentum came from. But you know, it's stuck because I have that huge back catalog. Mm-hmm. And when you started YouTube two years ago for this channel in particular, I'm not sure if you had a a, a presence before uh, the, the two years. Yeah, just a bunch of little kid stuff. Yeah, bits and pieces. What kind of made you? kickstart your youtube channel into actually making things once a week uh basically uh, that's a good question i i remember a part of it was like you know as a dumb stoner i had my you know little stoner other half that would uh, yeah. hang out at my house every day and i got him to play uh, the game prey by arcane studios uh 2017 mm-hmm. and I was just watching him, and if he's watching this, I'm sorry, but, like, I'm just thinking, like, yeah, this guy's not paying attention, he doesn't know what's going on, and I'm like, that that's bullshit, there's so much cool stuff in this game, you know, stuff that people, you know, you gotta pay attention, the game expects you to think some, and I, that just bothered me to no end, this idea that games are just, like, you know, mindless entertainment, and so I just wanted to sort of uh, acknowledge that they aren't, that they're, like, this serious art form. And that's really the whole point of it all. And then the other thing is simply me playing Metal Gear Solid 3, realizing that Far Cry 3 was trying to do the exact same thing, and I don't know if you've played these games, except Metal Gear Solid 3 did it via gameplay and story, you know, ludo-narrative harmony, whereas uh, Far Cry 3 just did it in the story, and then the gameplay just treats you like a baby. Mm-hmm. And so that that was like, that's my first two videos, discussing Praise Meta Narrative and it's stupid i call it far cry 3 snake eater because i'm a genius (laughs) yes (laughs) and is that kind of where the 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 description you have for your twitter account and your youtube uh description where you say um games aren't toys is that kind of where that comes from as well yeah that's been there from day one you know uh growing up i saw these people just you know skipping cutscenes. i was doing it too like and uh that's just so annoying to me now because i'm like you know, you got to give context to the gameplay. It's not like I'm going to be emotionally connected to a ragdoll flopping over. I need, I need context. I need a story there too, or at least, you know, something other than just it's fun to shoot the bad guy, just a GI Joe doll, GI Joe doll with a digital gun. Hmm. You know, there, there's more to it than that. And speaking of uh, GI Joe dolls with digital guns, uh, did you watch the Xbox um, presentation they had going on today? Uh, no, I'll check out Halo Infinite at some point, because, you know, with uh, Halo 3 just coming out, been waiting 13 years to play it since it never got a PC release. <laughs> Blew my fucking mind. I'm so excited to uh, just keep on playing and replaying it with my friends, and I got a video coming up in like a week and a half on it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't I don't really care about what 343 is doing. You know, I'm not one of those, like, they ruin the series guys. They can never take away the magic of those first few games by Bungie. No. But, Eh, it's not for me. No. Maybe Infinite will be better. I kind of, I'm kind of hopeful for it, but not enough to watch a fucking Xbox presentation. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you plan on buying a next generation console when those hit the shelves, or are you kind of more a, a PC person? I'm always going to be a PC guy, but I will tell you, Hideo Kojima is like my dad. I freaking love him. He's uh, so good. He's basically my idol. Maybe my favorite person that's alive. And yeah, you can call me a weeb or whatever. Uh, but I bought a PS4 specifically to play Death Stranding and um oh hell his name is going right over my head but the creator of The Last Guardian 
that that's another game. So basically, okay. Death Stranding and The Last Guardian made buying a PS4 worth it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And then now I get to play the Yakuza games because they all got remastered for PS4 and re-released at least. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. It's worth it. You know, fun thing to keep on the bedroom TV. But uh, yeah, I don't really care about consoles. No, it sounds like we've got a very similar taste in games, to be honest. Like, Metal Gear Solid is my favorite series. Uh, Death Stranding, I I haven't played it yet because I don't have access to a PlayStation, because as I said right now, I'm in Canada. It just got released on PC on the 14th, actually. Uh, I know, yeah. Uh, But I'm heading back to the UK um, in about a month's time, so I'm either going to pick it up on the PC or a cheap copy on my PlayStation 4 that I have back home. Um, Yeah, I I really recommend it. When it it first came out, I, uh, you know... Could, like I said, Kojima feels like my dad, so uh, I, I took a week off work, working for my actual dad at the time, to um, to just play the game, and I wanted to be the first person to get like a really good analysis of it up. And I did, but I gave it this stupid, pretentious, artsy title, so nobody clicked on it. <laughs> but that's whatever. Yeah, I think you mentioned that in one of your channel updates, that you were moving away from the artsy titles to more um, attention-grabbing ones in the thumbnail, but then you kind of expand on it at the start of the next video, or sorry, the start of the video saying, you know, yeah, here's yeah, the artsy title. Yeah, I can still have my pretentious title, you know, on the title card, mm. but then the thumbnail and the video itself can have that clickbaity title. Because, you know, like... Clickbaiting, if you're like, you know, J Station or something, not to like name drop J Station, <laughs> uh, that's one thing. That's just you basically trying to like scam kids into thinking Mickey Mouse called you at 3 a.m. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, if if I if I think I have a good message, you know, you could argue it's more virtuous to clickbait, and maybe I'm just justifying shit in my head right now. But you know, it's it's not like I'm lying to people. It's not like I'm cheating them or anything. They, I just put a more attention grabbing hit. Th- title and thumbnail you know the video still is what it says it is 99 percent of the time yeah you, you just you still expand on it anyway at the, at the very beginning so you know it's definitely yeah, not cheating yeah. um right now uh with the current growth you've experienced on youtube you know you've got a, a few patrons uh backing you at the moment uh, 77 to be exact yeah yeah um is youtube your full-time job uh, right now or is it kind of a side thing you have going on it's a total side thing i wanted to become a full-time job you know so that's that's been the dream since i was like since youtube first started mm. uh but right now i mean i'm making like 300 something a, a month on patreon and i love you patrons but you know that's not enough to live off of no no uh, and i don't monetize my videos or anything like that just because you know i'm 21 i'm embarrassed to say i'm still living at home but you know while i am in that situation i might as well enjoy you know being able to be all virtuous and not monetize my videos you know when i move out i'll have to take my finances more seriously and if i'm not one of those lucky channels that somehow gets like fourteen thousand a month on patreon being at like 1.5k subs well 100 105k subs uh then i'll have to monetize my videos because you know i I gotta be an adult too i I saw this great uh three clicks philip video one clicks philip or whatever where he was talking about how like his family sort of sowed some resentment for him not putting ads on his videos because, you know, like, that's that's just money you're leaving on the ground. Like, I get mm. it, but people people could really use that money, you know? Yeah. Might as well take it if you have the opportunity. I see. And what is your job, if you don't mind me asking, uh, that you do outside of YouTube? No, I'm working DoorDash right now. It's not glorious or anything, mm. but pays decently, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And it's compatible with uh, my, you know, fuck it attitude. <laughs> <laughs> And in what ways is it fun? Why, why do you enjoy um, uh, jobs where you, you know, that kind of that kind of job? I'll tell you this: if I lived in a big city, I would absolutely hate it. 
Yep. But uh, living in a small town, I just get to cruise around this town I love every day. You know, before I did DoorDash, I would like, I would just drive around for five hours sometimes at night, and other t- uh, at least an hour every night, sometimes five. I just love driving. You know, it's just something about it. It's uh just like the most calming thing in the world for me. I'm unless I'm in traffic on a hot day, I am having a great time if I'm on the road. Sounds, and you know, yeah. even if I'm doing DoorDash, that applies. Sounds like the perfect job. Really, get paid to to drive around and relax. Yeah, and the pay really is decent. You know, you just gotta sort of learn how to game the system, because uh, the algorithm is trying to screw you on DoorDash, but you can you can screw it instead. In what way is it kind of giving you the the jobs that the distances are kind of a bit off and the delivery times so make you lose out money? Yeah, or what yeah, do you, you know, just they they just sort of give you crap jobs sometimes, and you just gotta not take those because you know if I'm if I go to Taco Bell and I spend like thirty minutes in the drive through for an order with like a five dollar tip, I can make that money twice as fast going to any other restaurant like if anyone here wants to start doordash advice number one fucking avoid taco bell they're <laughs> useless like i don't care if you like them in real life i don't but uh you know they they are so goddamn slow that you'll just be burning money if you accept any deliveries from there mm-hmm. <laughs> and hey anyone who uses doordash to get their food like tip more if you're going to get taco bell because you're putting us through hell how come you don't uh, do anything like uber eats or um uh, delivery or something like that uh it's it's more just that i mean one i want to be my own boss which like yeah you can do that with uber eats and all that but doordash is just sort of the popular one here and it seems to be more or less fair with how it treats me Mm -hmm. you know I'm, i'm not a fan of the whole mass contract labor thing you know uber and doordash and hell even youtube but uh as far as that goes, I think that they're handling it well. Mm. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm more or less being treated fairly. If I have an issue, their support team gets back to me pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't complain. Mm. And looking forward, uh, is there a career aspiration that you have in mind? Are you kind of comfortable with how things are? You kind of, you know, working at DoorDash and doing YouTube, expanding and growing in that area? Or do you have an idea that, okay, you know, in a couple of years, I want to move to the city and uh, take this career? Or is it kind of uh, laissez-faire right now? Uh, I, I don't really. <laughs> this is bad advice to any, you know, anyone watching, really. But I don't really think about the future, like, at all. Mm-hmm. I just go with the flow. And, uh, you know, that's probably why I'm still living at home. But uh, at the same time, it's like, this YouTube thing's headed somewhere, you know? Mm. Like, I don't expect this momentum, like a thousand subs a day. That's not going to keep up, of course. <laughs> but it is going somewhere. If if that leads to me monetizing or me making a shitload on Patreon or whatever, as long as I have enough to keep a roof over my head and, like, you know, ramen noodles in my belly, I'm good. Yeah. Smoothie every day. I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, and beyond that, like, you know, dream-wise... It would be awesome if my, like, YouTube clout somehow led to me becoming, uh, you know, Hideo Kojima, like a director of games. Mm-hmm. So I don't know shit about programming. Anyone who's kept up with my progress on Silver Smoke knows I can't do anything technical, really. Uh, <laughs> but I would love to tell other people to do technical stuff. Yeah, I was, <laughs> was going to ask, uh, how is uh, Silver Smoke going? Um, I see it's been a, a fair while since there was an update on that. Yeah, I mean, I I legit haven't shipped an update since I launched the, the playable teaser. But, uh, you know, YouTube's my number one priority now. I'm not I'm not going to say it's done for, because I still think it's really good. It's still very personal to me and all that. Uh, well, I won't say it's very good, because it's five minutes long, but I think it has potential to be very good. Yeah. Um, but I, I cannot be spending, you know, ten hours a day working on, you know, getting one room just perfect or anything right now. I need to be focusing on the channel, so... Because that, that's 
that's where the potential is right now, you know, someday when I've got, you know, a bigger audience or whatever, or just more connections, maybe I can get some people to help me out with that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really giving it too much thought right now. Yeah. Just cause you know, I, I got other shit going on. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the big fear of mine though, is that I'll just get excited about one of my other game ideas and just completely forget about silver smoke and go do that. Cause I, I know this sounds stupid, and I know I might not, but I really do want to finish this thing. I, I think I think it'll be great once it's done. No, it sounds like something that's definitely worthwhile pushing through to the end for that. Um, otherwise, you can get stuck in that cycle of starting something and then starting something else and starting something else, and never seeing something through to the end. I know all about that, man. It's a miracle I stuck with YouTube for yeah. this long, because <laughs> I am just the absolute worst at commitment. You can ask anyone I ever dated. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't dig that far into your past, so don't worry. I'm not going to surprise you with a, yeah, yeah. a third person on this call. Didn't bring up my exes. No. <laughs> Get a, you know, personal. No, <laughs> no don't worry. Um, well, one of the, the, the big questions I had for you, uh, second on my list, actually. Um, you may have addressed this somewhere, but I may have missed it. Why the pig head? Uh, well, okay. As for the actual, you know, quote-unquote meaning of it, I'm going to leave that ambiguous. Oh, okay. But as for, like, the the pure Spartan utility, I think it's good to have a mascot, and I think it's good to have, like, a unique selling point. Like, I, I talked about this a little bit in my, uh, you know, 100K video, The Best YouTubers, uh, but, you know, like, Jim Sterling, when he does the Jimquisition, he's got, like, that really weird character, and you will never forget him, you know? Like, yeah. this weird guy dressed up in, like, fascist attire telling everyone to thank God for him at the yes. end of every video. Like, that's memorable as hell. Yes. And I don't show up the pig mask in every video, but every now and then you see it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that sticks with you. So, you know, people are like, Ludhead, he's the one with the weird pig mask that makes me scratch my head. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then it's also like, you know, the channel's... I won't say it's sophisticated, but it's definitely going for that tone Yeah. where it's like, yes, this is serious. There aren't really jokes. It's just me giving my thoughts in a serious way. And then it's like, oh, okay, cool. I, I can get with this. It's all like, you know, not jokey. I can take it seriously. And it's just every now and then you see that really weird shit and it just throws you off. And I just like that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. And uh, when you do the scenes that you're recording yourself uh, with, the mask on um have you recorded the audio beforehand and you're listening back to it and making hand gestures to match it or have you just set up a camera and thought okay <laughs> yeah, screw i'll exactly wave my hands it. around and uh i'll see if it matches that's exactly it and that, and that blowing up on youtube piece i did it was like 90 percent of the comments were just joking about how my right hand was just like performing a circus act when my left hand was just sitting there <laughs> Because it, it really is just me mindlessly gesticulating to make it somehow hope like I was actually talking. Because there's yeah. no way I can record with the mask on. Oh, good. Or trying to uh, make some sense of flinging around a chicken nugget from Wendy's and some fries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, they, that April Fool's video, man. So I've gotten so many, I won't say so many, not a lot of people have watched it, but I've gotten a handful of comments. Like, who actually uh, think I'm just some guy who works at Wendy's and I'm, like, a spokesperson. <laughs> <laughs> like, like one dude asked me if you could still order it in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie, you did, you did fool me. Pig mask. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got fooled about halfway through that video. I was like, you did it so deadpan that i thought you were genuinely going to make some comment commentary about like uh, the wendy's meal i was like hang on what uh, then i thought wait a second this is really weird what day was this uploaded then i checked okay <laughs> yeah there okay you go. bastard got me yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's it's uh it's not at all difficult to parody myself like i'm pretty fucking close already 
it's it's like it's it's funny when i'm doing like a parody script for april fools or whatever i come at it with the exact same approach i i use for my real videos you know whenever i'm writing the script and like coming up with how i want to say what i want to say except i just choose a topic that i know is not deep at all like jack and jill was my first april fools video by adam sandler (laughs) uh and then i just basically make a leadhead video on it (laughs) (laughs) do you have any other videos on the back burner that maybe not out as out there as april fools you know so on the nose or something like wendy's uh uh, or that film um but do you have any videos that you want to make that are say pretty out there in terms of okay this is kind of um a bit different to what he usually does uh well i will just sort of tease this i can't i can't say what exactly it is yeah but there's a trailer for a very cool thing that I'm making, and it's going to be sort of a satire of a leadhead video. So I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be dropping you know, sometime in the next two months, and I'm really hyped about that because uh, there's there's a good chance that a particular very important person will be reporting on my trailer. Uh, so that that'll be Ooh. a good chance for a boost. But uh, aside from all that, I don't know. I I like I said. I don't really think about the future. Sorry, my audio just peaked. I don't really think about the future. Like, it's... In fact, this month and the last month have been, like, the only time since I started YouTube that I knew what I was doing, like, two weeks from now. Yes. And even as I say this, I don't know what video I'm doing next week, but I've got the next two videos already made. Oh. So, that's cool. That's good, yeah. It's good to have stuff on the back burner, isn't it? And all that. Yeah. What was that? It's good to have stuff on the back burner as a bit of a... In case something goes wrong, you know, in the next few weeks or, you know, something pops up, you're busy. And it's always good to have a few in the back pocket. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I've got a, you know, text document filled with video ideas, but it's it's sort of like every time I look at it, you know, I'll make it be like, oh, yeah, these are all such great ideas. Come back a month later. What the hell was, what, what was I smoking? You know, all these look like <laughs> awful ideas to me. It's, it's just sort of like a constant changing of my ideas. But one thing I can say is when I go back and look at my old videos, every, just about every single one of them, I'm like, I'm, I'm glad I made that. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to think that that is a sign that I only use the good ideas, the yeah. ones that I still think are good ideas after months and months. But I don't know, maybe I'm just lucky. I'm definitely lucky. And and when you're working on something, do you pick one thing to work at and see it through to the end? Or do you do a little bit of this, a little bit of that? Um, you know, maybe scrap something or do you stick onto one topic and see it through from start to finish? I, I uh, you know, the thing is, like, I I put up a video every week and there is no way to do that other than just set my sights on something, write the essay, do the voiceover, get the editing done, push it out the door ASAP. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even have time to second-guess myself. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I remember I was speaking to Mandalore Gaming quite a while ago, and uh, he has this interesting way of making videos. He doesn't even write any scripts. He just, he just talks and then stitches stuff together when it works. And I thought that was fascinating like i could not imagine doing that making a video and not having yeah, a script yeah i i sort of tried that format but as you can tell i'm not exactly the best speaker when i'm talking <laughs> off script uh if you go on my phone like my google photos there's this very very old video of me just in the car doing work just talking like a vlog about why far cry 3's game design was ludonarologically dissonant and uh it's it's the exact same thing as my second video, Far Cry 3 Snake Eater, except I'm in the car, just freeform speaking, and it's awful. 
<laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting skill to have, I can't imagine. I think it's the only person I know that does that. There's probably many more, but he's the one that I know. Um, yeah, I don't really keep in touch with YouTubers at all. I guess I'll probably start doing that soon, but uh, as for right now, I just watch them, and I, I cannot imagine working with a format. I mean, you know, respect for the guy for being able to do it, oh, but God, I, yeah. I definitely could not do that. No, 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 it's tricky. Um, you made a video a few weeks ago addressing your growth on YouTube uh, and one of the techniques that you had to stay grounded and relax was you go out and play the guitar um, on your secondary yep. channel you know you've got a few videos of you playing the guitar and singing some sing songs there as well um, yeah, yeah. A- alongside this do you have any other hobbies um, that you uh, do to relax um, and uh, have you run into any uh, problems as well uh, with this big growth that you've encountered on your YouTube channel uh, well as for other hobbies, it's just sort of, uh, every now and then I'll just sit down and play a game that I have no intention of talking about on the channel. Mm-hmm. Sorry, just smacked my boom filter. Uh, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, like, something like the Yakuza series. Someday I want to do a proper video on that series, but it's like, one, I sort of have to go to Japan and, like, live there for a year to say the things I want to say about that series. Yeah. Two, it's just a giant fucking rat's nest of plot threads. So I don't really think I'm going to be covering that series anytime soon, but I've invested about like 400 hours into the series, so that's all basically just me killing time. Like, it's usually when I'm looking for a game to play, I'm like, is this something I can talk about on the channel, or will this just turn out to be a huge waste of time that's fun? Mm -hmm. And so games that are just a huge waste of time that's fun, uh, like Yakuza, uh, right now at least, are sort of my other hobby. I don't really like watch TV or anything. But then on top of that, you've just got like driving really and overeating. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I always say like to make sure you have a hobby because there are some people in my life who don't have a hobby. And I mean, they are making all sorts of mistakes purely out of boredom, Uh, you know, drugs and drinking and all that stuff. Uh, But yeah, I mean, guitar is basically my main hobby, and I I don't really care about that that much. And then aside from that, it's just making, like, meme videos to put on the second channel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I saw a couple of those. Um, when you hit 1,000 subs uh, uh, a while ago, and you gave the update expressing your thanks to the community, um, you specifically said something that I caught wind of. It said, uh, you thanked everybody for making something out of you. Um now that you're past 100,000, uh, what emotions were you feeling at that stage and how did it compare to when you hit that 1,000 subs? You know, I don't I don't want to seem ungrateful, but in a weird way, uh, 1k subs felt better. And I, I, I think that the I think the big reason for that is sort of the pressure and the stress of like, again, because I'm sure it's happened to other people, but as far mm-hmm. as I know, it's more or less unprecedented to go from basically nothing to 100k subs in a month like i've never heard of that happening and you know it went from like a couple of my friends jerking around in discord to uh i mean we're just about to hit a thousand discord users and i mean i'll be honest like 90 percent of them are really annoying (laughs) uh you know it's just (laughs) uh, uh, like oh no where's my general chat gone it's not mine anymore now we have to have like our own secret general chat literally called leadheads walled garden uh (laughs) and then on top of that you've got like 
amateur game developers sending me their stuff and me just sort of trying to figure out how to tell them that it's crap and I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and people like offering to do work for me or trying to like sell me intros and mm. it, it's it's stressful, man. Like I one of the things when I was first uh, starting off and got to like 600 subs that I really enjoyed was that like yes, I had this small group following me, but I was still able to keep up with every single thing. I was able to reply to every comment if I wanted to and, you know, talk or like respond to every DM or email or whatever. And, uh, you know, it felt good to be able to like engage and not call them my fans, just other people who happen to like my stuff. Yeah. And when you're at a hundred K subs, you kind of just have to call them your fans, you know, like I hate to say it, but there's not enough time in the day to communicate with all of them and get to know all of them as people like, I can do a live stream and play some TTT with them every now and then, but that's about it, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that that was sort of a, a big source of stress for me was uh, nobody knows this guy except one random person who had him as like a teacher. But there's this musician named Pierce Edens uh, from around my area, and he had one line that always stuck with me. It was something like, you don't sell your soul all at once, you sell it a little piece at a time. And that's sort of how it felt, you know, to, like, yeah, I wasn't shilling for, you know, Raid Shadow Legends or whatever. Yes. But I quit <laughs> being yeah. able to see my audience as, and I hate to say this, but as humans, you know, like, sure, I'm still grateful for all of them just as much as I am any other. But it's like, I don't have enough time in the day to get to know these people as if they were people. It sucks. Mm-hmm. And that that's that sort of caused me a lot of stress because I hate having to think about people like that. But. It's it's the only there's not enough time in the day to do it in the other way, you know. Yeah, uh, the way I, I've heard it put is uh, fame is like a mask that eats into the face, is um kind kind of the way that I heard that. But but it's it's definitely an interesting yeah, way to yeah. to you know to in a situation to be in where you just can't engage with so many people at once. Just <laughs> you don't have the time. Yeah, it's, it's impossible. Like, you know, I, the last thing I want to do, especially here, is like sound like I'm dehumanizing them. Oh God, no. And I. It's not me dehumanizing them. It's just a law of physics that when there's a hundred thousand of you, you're dehumanized a little bit, and it sucks. And I freaking hate it. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's like when there's that many, there's going to be like the really annoying ones who are there every day and are being very loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and it's yes. like yeah, you know, I can't just mute them for being annoying. I can't kick them from my server just because you know they're annoying to me. No. Uh, but then they just sort of color my perception of the whole group, like a few bad eggs situation. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me want to not engage, which really sucks because, again, like, you know, I owe these guys everything, you know. And uh, it sucks that I can't express my gratitude in a more genuine way, really, outside of, like, YouTube videos. I can't actually, I can talk the talk, but I can't walk the walk, you know. I can't I can't be in the Discord every day thinking every single person who sends me a DM uh, it's it's weird yeah yeah i totally understand and um well i don't understand i i i listening and i can appreciate but uh, uh right now uh, <laughs> i haven't hit a hundred thousand subs myself um uh, you you will i like this channel a lot oh thank you very much i've seen oh, i appreciate that's very kind of you um and on your channel uh is there more than just yourself working on it or is it 100 uh, you like you do all the thumbnails the recording the designing um uh, from start yeah, to finish it's 100 me you know if i if i were to expand in some way which i have no plans of doing this i might take on someone else to help with the editing or something yeah but right now it's like you know that's my baby don't touch my baby yeah <laughs> 
And you, you probably got quite efficient at it as well, I imagine, from all doing it once a week for so many years. Like, you know how to record stuff, how to edit it, how to mark it for easier <laughs> finding all the bits and pieces. Uh, I'd say I'm decent at all of those, except recording. I'm getting a new mic set up next month with my next Patreon payout, but uh, I am still an amateur. You'll see when you look at this uh, audio I send over your way. Oh, lovely. <laughs> uh, what, I, I'm awful at that stuff. <laughs> what setup do you plan on, on rocking with the, the upgrade? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to settle on a VO1, um, you know, uh, studio mic. Other than that, I have no ideas. I'm still taking suggestions from the audience. Uh, as for like the, you know, the processor and all that, cause I'm, I'm done with USB mics. That's baby shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, but then, you know, it, it's almost like, it's almost like pearls to swine. You know, I, I will not be able to appreciate the intricacies of having, or of how to use a, a VO1 in a proper preamp and all that stuff, but I'll figure it out. Yeah, it's not too uh, too crazy. Um, you can save a lot of money buying secondhand. I will say, uh, that's what I did. I, yeah, I went yeah, secondhand. That's, that's the plan. Um, so you can get a, a good price. So do you use a laptop or a desktop? No, I'm desktop. I have a shitty Chromebook I got for work a couple of years back, and that's it. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's, that's that's all right then. Um, I was gonna say because uh, I have a gaming laptop and um, I have a audio interface preamp with um an AT twenty twenty, um. And I had this issue where there was, I was just getting this this constant background noise no matter where I was. Um, and if you know when you do an audio recording in Audacity, you kind of get it so the peaks are... It fills up a good chunk of the, the recording space, you know, the peaks and the troughs. Yeah, yeah. And no matter what I did, like I always, I always would always have to have mine really, really small and then amplify it afterwards uh, because if I had it, the gain too high, it just sounded terrible with this background noise and I couldn't figure out what was going on. But it turned out my laptop, even when plugged in, had a power saving mode for the USB settings. So all my USB peripherals were being underpowered, which is includes the preamp. <laughs> so yeah, my yeah. oh God, I couldn't believe that was the issue. Like I thought I was, because I was new to um, uh, preamps and all that stuff, I thought, thought I was just messing up, like my settings were wrong or like I didn't have the ideal recording space, but it turned out to be... Uh, stupid computer settings so keep an eye yeah, out for that let me just say to any any laptop manufacturers that might be listening like uh, quit it with the fucking uh sh- not shovelware with the bloatware man oh, like so bad we we can manage our computer's batteries everyone i ever know who had a laptop like those power saving settings were the bane of their existence yeah it's it's, it's so silly yeah if it was unplugged i could understand but while plugged in <laughs> it just baffles me absolutely yeah like if you're gonna do that stuff like that's fine just at least be transparent about it because i mean i've got so many people who are like yeah i just i cannot even for the life of me figure out how to turn off these power settings because it's like somewhere in the nvidia control panel or something that's ridiculous gross yeah it's a pain in the ass (laughs) um i I did have some uh, some of the questions for you here they're a bit more specific to the videos that you've Mm -hmm. made in the past um one that popped up uh besides yakuza what other games do you find have done quick time events well uh, that's a good one. <laughs> not not a lot, honestly, and that's that's probably because I haven't played too many fighting games. Yeah. One one thing that stands out, and you'll know about this, is Metal Gear Solid. It's it's not really quick time events as much as it is button mashing sequences. Yeah. But I have I will always have a special place in my heart for button mashing. It's just so cool to me this idea of you know you've really got to strain yourself in some of those uh, Metal Gear Solid Two, especially oh God, yeah. that one is like the most ridiculous quick time or button mashing I've ever seen. Yeah. But you, you feel some <laughs> yeah. of Snake's pain. You feel some of Raiden's yeah, yeah. pain there. I always thought it'd be really cool if you had to 
squeeze the controller as hard as you could, like if they could somehow implement that, hmm. that that'd be a cool little alternative to button mashing without so many exploits. Because you know, like there's there's a million tricks to button mash faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, actual quick time events though. Uh, I mean, in that video, I sort of used Doom as an example of this of a similar concept. You know, ludology wise, executed in a more organic way. But really, I mean, uh, there there's not a lot of good examples of quick time events out there. But when they are done right, I freaking love them. Yeah, that they can be very good. Um, but the one thing that I find about Kojima is he he really thinks outside the box in the way of using inputs uh, as a way to expand the gaming experience and the narrative he's trying to portray. So, you know, you've got the button mashing oh, yeah. sequence, you've got the changing the controllers for Psycho Mantis, reading the back of the box for the codes. Um, that's off the top of my head, and there's probably a thousand others. I don't even know about Death Stranding. <laughs> he may have done something there. Um, yeah, there, there's a little bit of that stuff in Death Stranding, but uh, that's that's one of my favorite things about Kojima is nothing is off limits for him. Like, uh, you, you, I don't know if you know this or not, but during the uh, development of Metal Gear Solid 1, he wanted to coat the disc in a substance so that whenever you got to the Psycho Mantis fight, your disc uh, drive would speed up on the PS1 and your room would start to smell like blood. But of course, <laughs> oh, you can't you can't cook things inside of a PS1, so no. that got scrapped quickly. You know, <laughs> there'd be many, many, many legal problems and safety hazards with that. But oh, that, that's the sort of idea that we, you know, we all love Kojima for. Yeah, I had no idea he tried to do that. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. He's a lunatic. It's amazing. It's an- amazing. Yeah, I got uh, I've got a, a tattoo that was inspired by uh, Metal Gear. Not a copy. I like to say inspired. Um, it's yeah, a yeah, yeah. D-Dog <laughs> playing a game with a controller. Oh, nice, nice. Which is uh, pretty fun. <laughs> um, uh, another question for you related to your videos. Um, you're going to get... Uh, there's quite a few questions like this, so I don't, I'm not trying to put you on the spot no, or anything. It's fine. just I've gone back and this is what I, I've picked up. Um, outside of Prey, what other games do you find have done environmental comedy well? Environmental comedy, I would say... Well, there's this sort weird sort of blend to praise environmental comedy. I, I assume you're referencing my comedy and gaming video, uh, yep. specifically with that prey example. There's there's a couple other things like Gluey McGlueface and the guy stuck in the rafters with the nose saying he was sending neuromods back to his mother. But uh, a lot of that game's environmental comedy came from like uh, notes and readable objects and audio logs and that stuff too, sort of giving context to the environment, like that uh that uh, what. Uh, whatever the hell his name was, the the idiot that got lost in space. You know, that's that's funny, especially when you hear those audio logs about him being completely incompetent yes. and reading about him getting fired and all that. And uh, one of my favorite examples of that is Bioshock. Uh, when you first get to... Uh, hell, I can't remember what the actual place is called, but the, the greenhouse. Uh, you One of the first things you see is this guy talking about how he's taken this, uh, you know, girl of the night out for a date and now she's really been getting around so he's gonna bring a med hypo with him you know so he doesn't catch anything it's like uh you know this sort of almost meta joke because you know med hypos are just they're just med kits with a different name it's just silly video game stuff but he's like yes this is a real thing in this world and it will protect me from stds and that's that's really funny to me and then but again that sort of rides the line on what is and isn't environmental comedy there, there's all sorts of little things like uh Yakuza Judgment, which is a side game where you play as a Yagami, a, a private eye. Uh, every single time you're doing like a investigating the crime scene minigame, there is a cat somewhere, and you just have to listen for your uh, you know audio cues, left or right audio, to figure out where it is. 
and I assume there's an achievement if you find all of them. I didn't find all of them, but you yeah. know, you'll just be investigating. Like there's a dead body right there, and you'll just be spinning in a circle for 20 minutes trying to find the cat just so that Yagami can say, "Oh, look, a cat." And then get on with his investigation. It's the Yakuza games are, of course, very silly. Uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. Not a lot is jumping off uh, like right off the top of my head. You know, Metal Gear Solid did some of that with like uh, the guy peeing on Raiden towards the end of uh, the tanker or the plant chapter. Yes. <laughs> there, there's a bunch of examples, but it, no game that I can think of is like loaded with it like Prey is. Uh, where there's like a million examples in one game. It's just sort of isolated incidents from tons and tons of different games. Mm-hmm. And how would you say uh, environmental comedy is defined in uh, in this aspect? Um, for example, like let's say Yakuza. Uh, would you define Yakuza the way that it gets this laugh as environmental comedy? Is it uh, the, the, oh, well, the windows of the jokes? Yeah, or is it like the every gameplay? comedy trick in the book. Yeah. But uh, as for environmental comedy, I'd say the main thing, and I sort of touched on this in the video a little bit, is the fact that the player's own curiosity leads to the joke. That makes it so much funnier, if you ask me. Because, like I said in that video, games have way more time to sort of let the jokes ring out, because they don't have to rush you along like a film does. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you know, I I even used a very slow-paced film, Dr. Strangelove, as my example, because even a film like that does have to keep on moving you know but a game can just sort of sit there and let you think for a while you know even even an action game can do that and uh so yeah it's it's that just that curiosity you know leading the player to ask their own questions and get their own funny ass answers out of it that's sort of what i define as that Mm -hmm. even if it's a something as like you know you have to pick up the audio log and choose to listen listen to it like in bioshock that guy with the met hypo yeah (laughs) that's great um in one of your videos, um, you described that branching narratives often show how you would fare in games um, if you were in the game's world, if you would act uh, the way you do in real life, as often people project themselves onto the character for their first playthrough. Um, yeah, yeah, my uh, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream video. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that one. Um, from this, have you ever learned anything about yourself from the outcome of an action in a game? So you um, acted how you think you would have acted and something happened and it kind of changed the way you thought? Well, uh, that's an interesting question because, you know, it's it's like different games are going for entirely different stories, you know, like, no matter what you're doing, no matter how much you try to accommodate for every political or religious or whatever mindset, you're still going to be writing from your own perspective. Mm-hmm. You cannot escape that bias no matter what you do. But sort of a broad lesson, I would say, that a lot of games have taught me with branching narratives is just the idea that you know, there is no such thing as concrete morality. You know, there's there's always going to be... You'll think that the answer is obvious, but then it'll turn out to be a little bit more complicated. Like, uh, I don't know if you've played Fallout New Vegas. Mm-hmm, yep. You see Kaisar's Legion, you're like, this is the worst fucking guy ever. He's got tons and tons of slaves. He treats women like property. He's awful. But then you go and talk to him, and he's probably the smartest character in any Fallout game. He's just got a couple really, really bad ideas. Yes. But he's way more understanding of how culture works and how civilizations work than anyone else in Fallout. Like, I would say, obviously this changes depending on how you play New Vegas, but if the Courier wasn't involved, Kaisar's Legion would be, like, the best bet for the longest standing society. Like, NCR is going to fall apart, the Enclave, all those guys, they're all going to fall apart. Kaisar's Legion, I think, would have been fine without the Courier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, like I'm, I'm getting obsessed with lore right now, but I, I, 
that idea that you can approach a situation thinking you know what the best option is, and then just one little account from one character can completely change your perspective on it, or at least challenge your perspective on it. That's that's sort of a good life lesson to take with you. You know, every every waffle waitress has something to teach you. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> very good. Um, your most popular video was your VR video, which is uh, slightly earlier, um, and you meticulously laid out your room in VR. Uh, since that video, have there been any, any updates to the software to improve the experience? Because uh, it's been uh, quite a while since that video was released. Not that I know of. Not not anything, you know, sort of in the direction I was wanting to take it, which, like I said, Valve's priorities for the software are probably something completely different. Mm-hmm. And lots of people have suggested to me, uh, you know, like, different different programs uh that sort of do more what i'm doing some people have even offered to literally build my room in the hammer map editor um, (laughs) which seems like a bridge too far to me uh but you know like that's a cool idea and all but it was more of a thought experiment on my part and i tried to get that across in the video but i guess i didn't do a very good job because all these people just think i'm the vr bedroom guy (laughs) and that was really just like something i did just to sort of think about the future for a little bit and then move on with my life Mm -hmm. uh I probably would still be using it more, but I had to recalibrate my Vive Cosmos, that piece of shit headset. Nobody buy a Vive Cosmos. Um, <laughs> and so my my virtual room is no longer in sync with my real life room, and I just have not had the energy to redo all that meticulous bullshit to get it all lined up again. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have not been in the VR room for a while now. <laughs> no. Do you still play VR much? Are there any games you're playing? Oh, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I still do a lot of VR. Uh because, I mean, it's like, yeah, Alex is really, like, the only super, super great game for VR. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of fun stuff, you know. Like, just the other night, me and my friends had a, uh, a movie night in uh, VR chat watching uh, Starship Troopers, one of my favorite movies. Nice. And that, that, that's, that's a lot of fun, you know. Like, you can all sync up your Netflix feeds or whatever. But, it's it, you know, when you're in VR, you can, you can really feel the person on the couch next to you. And there's definitely something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. And aside from that, you know, like, Pavlov is fun. That's good. Playing, like, uh, No Man's Sky. I'm about to try that out probably later tonight. Uh, There's all sorts of fun little things to do in VR. Have you tried Hellblade in VR? No, I really want to. I have not played the original uh, PC, you know, flat screen release, but I really wanted to try that. The fact that it's a third-person game sort of makes me nervous, because uh, I am very, <laughs> I'm very vulnerable to motion sickness, uh, even though I love VR so much. I'm, I'm gonna try it out pretty mm-hmm. soon though because you know they probably figured out a good workaround like a fixed camera perspective or something yeah uh, I, I remember playing it a while ago uh, I never finished it though um, but the experience was, was very cool uh, there, were some, there were some certain points in the game that the VR really enhanced it so I definitely recommend it I don't know if you have the I think the VR version comes free with the original as well I can't remember buying it twice oh that's cool yeah I, um, I, might, I might look into that so, pretty soon yeah but a Rec Room as well was a pretty good one. Have you ever played Rec Room? Uh, I swear to God, I've heard the name, but it's, it's losing my mind what it is. Uh, it's, it's a free game, so you had to pay for it. It's um, it's got lots of mini games basically. Uh, so there's like paintball and archery okay. and uh, other things like oh, that. Oh, that, that's um, the so one. It's, from it's Valve, very simple. Right? Uh, no, that's oh, this is God, a different okay. one. Um, Valve was was something else. It was like VR workshop or something. Yeah, I forget. Lab, something. Uh, but this is something completely different. Yeah, the lab that was the yeah, yeah. lab the lab. Um, but th- this one is uh, is kind of kiddish in its simplicity, but it's it's good because it's simple. Like it's it's paintball. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. you shot, you're out. 
it is good. My fun. thing is like I, I sort of um, call those you know the dad VR games. I'm I'm trying to play Half Life Alex. I'm trying to play <laughs> yeah. Boneworks and Walking Dead. Saints like real games that are VR games. Yeah. You know, not not like Wii Sports. Not that I have anything against that stuff. It's just you know there, there's there's only so long that that stuff is entertaining to me. Like when I'm when I think VR, I think I want to do something that I literally cannot do in real life. Like kill the combine <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i get you um speaking of uh, your your motion sickness how is the vertigo going uh is it um getting better because i think uh, you had a video about six months ago where you mentioned it in passing at the end uh you yeah, were looking yeah, at medication that, uh, or something is it improving video, i think um yeah my my vertigo is fucked <laughs> that's that's part of the reason oh, i like doordash is because if i'm feeling bad i can just say nope you know what my shift's over fuck it um but I haven't had a proper vertigo attack since around the time I made my last Guardian video, so like September of last year, I think. Uh, but okay. I always feel like I'm on the verge of it, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, oh man, I better not take one extra hit from my vape. I better not, you know, drink one more sip of coffee than I need to because it could lead to a vertigo attack. And I think that that's mostly me being paranoid because, uh, man, they're awful and I'm definitely paranoid about them. They just put me out of commission for like a week. Um but I think I'm going to have to, like, not have a vertigo attack for, like, five years before that paranoia goes away. And then that's the other thing. It's like, you know, yeah. what if this thing's psychoactive? What if I'm just fooling myself into thinking I'm about to have a vertigo attack and then that actually happens? You know, I don't I don't think of mm-hmm. myself as a stress, stressful, stressed-out, anxiety-filled person, but I might be. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely anxious about yeah. the vertigo. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not huge it's not like it's ruining my life or anything but it is stopping me from getting some jobs there are some jobs i've turned down or like said all right i'm not even gonna bother applying for that just because i know if i was standing around in one place for eight hours i would feel like shit vertigo wise when i got off the clock and like i wouldn't even want to drive home it'd be that bad it's it's Mm -hmm. weird like just very particular situations sort of set me off and make me feel like i gotta get out of here i'm gonna have a vertigo attack like waiting in a drive-thru does it sometimes which sucks because i work for doordash but whatever and then like yeah just going, so not taco yeah Bell. yeah and like going to the grocery store messes with me i don't know it's it's very okay. particular situations that i just sort of have to avoid like it's been so long since i've been out to eat with my family or my friends at a restaurant like i said in a restaurant just because i just don't trust that i'd be able to do it you know i can't go to concerts and <laughs> made a couple dates very very awkward I just sort of have that thousand yard stare while I'm trying to eat my sushi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Um, but uh, so does medication help at all for vertigo? I'm, I'm quite uh, ignorant when it comes to, uh, to, to how vertigo works. You know, it seems like everyone is because my doctor sure, sure haven't helped at all. Uh, what, what works yeah. the best for me is to just get a good ass smoothie every morning, which maybe it's a, maybe it's a placebo. Maybe it actually is a blood sugar thing. I don't know, but if I like, if I make a proper smoothie with all this healthy shit in it every morning, I generally feel okay. I just sort of have to watch okay. out. You know, there's there's all sorts of things that I need to, you know, maintain my vape usage. Back when I smoked cigarettes, that could sometimes cause problems. Uh, mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff. And it's just weird, man, because smoke pot, drink like a freaking uh, fish every night, didn't bother me at all and yeah. then just randomly one day i was playing grand theft auto the pc port gta 4 with the low frame rate and the you know drunk camera and all that just had a vertigo attack that lasted three days 
the worst spinning you've ever felt, like blackout drunk spinning from your faint memories of being, I guess, brownout drunk. Oh, that bad. Can't keep down anything. Can't eat a single saltine cracker without throwing up. And uh, yeah, so I play it pretty safe because it's a bad, it's a bad yeah. situation when it happens. God, I don't blame you. It uh, sounds a very tricky thing to navigate. Yeah, it um, definitely can be. And you know, some weeks it's worse than others. You know, like I said, I haven't had a proper attack in almost a year now. But uh, you know, some weeks I'll really feel like I'm on the verge of one, and I just don't want to do anything but lay in bed. Other weeks I'm golden. So it's it's just a tricky situation for someone mm. who, like everyone else, needs a job. <laughs> yeah, interesting how VR doesn't seem to trigger very yeah, much. Yeah, no, Boneworks didn't mess with me at all, which is <laughs> incredible because it's it it almost seems like yeah. it was made to make me sick. Yeah. Um, looking back at another one of your videos, uh, why your kids should play Halo. Um, you described there were many positive memory, memories that you had in your childhood uh, with your childhood friends playing uh, Halo games growing up. Um, Seeing as how the gaming landscape has changed so much since back when Halo 1 and Halo 2 were released, do you think the younger people will form the same types of memories as you did back when you played Halo? You know, everyone talks about like, oh, the kids are just playing Fortnite nowadays, they don't give a fuck. I say that's stupid, you know, you can give a kid a million iPhones, give them hours and hours and hours of Fortnite games, they are not going to stop being imaginative creatures you know every kid is still gonna be mm. looking up at the stars and wondering what's out there they're still gonna be playing with sticks in the yard you know maybe not maybe not yeah. quite as old as they did when when i was young and when my dad was young and all that but you know young kids still want to pretend to be a badass space marine fighting aliens <laughs> and you know yeah. halo i think will always have the power to open up someone's imagination and i don't really know if that applies to the new 343 games because i haven't played those but uh the classic Halo can absolutely do that. Tons of other games can absolutely do that. You know, Halo was just sort of a broad example of the type of emerging yeah. sandbox gameplay that I think provokes a kid to ask weird questions that tell them about themselves. Uh, I, I don't think that's going away. There, there were a lot of naysayers in the comments on that one, but uh, I, I think that games like Halo will always have the power to open up a kid's imagination, even if there's a million other games they could be playing. Halo just has a way of gravity. Yeah. Even with the rise of online gaming compared to um, local multiplayer? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, the, the difference with that is that you're playing with random people rather than your friends. But uh, I, I think that that only matters to a certain degree, and I think that kids are still playing with their friends a lot. Because, I mean, I know when I was, uh, you know, 14 maybe, even though when multiplayer online gaming was like the only thing to do and, you know, local multiplayer was yeah. sort of dying... Uh, I know I was still playing with my friends every day, same people I always played with, you know, whether they were real life friends or online friends or whatever. I, you know, it was still the same people. And I think that's an important part of forming those memories because like, yeah, I can think about a funny moment I had in TF2, but if I had, if I haven't had a million moments with that person, I'm not really going to remember it. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the games like Halo definitely still have that potential, you know, no matter how many iPhones or whatever you give a kid. Yeah, I, I, I can't even remember the last time I turned on microphones in a chat, like in, in a game chat, not to speak to people. Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm <laughs> sure that you're, a, like, you're probably yeah. in Discord calls a lot talking to your actual friends. Like, I don't use in-game comms much myself either, but, uh, you know, I, I'd love playing a game like Team Fortress 2 with my friends. Yeah, especially it's been quite a while since I've played a multiplayer game like that with friends. Uh, usually I end up having Skype calls and we play board mm -hmm. games on, on like a webpage. Uh, with my, my friends, because they're not really big uh, 
gamers to be honest um but my original gaming friends back in secondary school um we don't really play much right now because you know we're, we're 26 and stuff so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> life moves on um but I, you know even back then when local multiplayer wasn't such a big thing as well uh playing we used to we didn't use Discord. Discord wasn't really yeah. a thing back then. I don't know if you remember Mumble. Do you ever remember use Mumble? Uh, no, I was a TeamSpeak guy back in the day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we had a Mumble server and uh, it became a verb, like uh, Mumble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, half of me. <laughs> so, you know, we, we had the same thing, but uh, um, not, you know, online as well. So, you know, I agree that people will still be making those same Yeah, I, I think it's like an immortal thing. You know, before video games, kids were doing yeah. the same thing, you know, just going out and camping, which... You know, some yeah. might say that's better. I say it's all the same. As long as the kid is out there yeah, using their imagination, arm. you're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, looking back at the videos you've made, is there one that you're most proud of? Um, if you asked me six months ago, I would have said my Metal Gear Solid 2 video from, you know, the first, like, six months of my channel. I spent, like, five months on that script. Now it's probably the Disco Elysium video. Which I know just about that nobody was my knows favorite. what that game is, but even now when I watch that video, I, you know, the guy who wrote the fucking script and edited the thing, I still get chills down my spine. So that's that's how I know it's a good video. Yeah. When I've watched your videos, um, I watched probably about three quarters, as many as I could in a week, basically. Mm -hmm. Um that was my favorite one from the ones that I watched was Disco Asylum. Um, mostly because I feel I haven't played it myself. I do want to play it now, uh, but I, I felt like I understood the message you were trying to portray in the video that's, that's and the, all the I way I, hear, I, I i sure was waxing <laughs> political in that video <laughs> the, the the thing that i took away from it was um i gotta try and describe it in my words now <laughs> is attempting to find meaning when there is no meaning or attempting to find meaning for yourself in such a a big world um or the, the way or, or another way i thought about it was the thoughts that you have on a long car journey you know when your imagination kind of runs wild for six yeah, or seven yeah, hours exactly. um it's like yeah, you caught up in your head you know that that see there's a million yeah. different ways to approach that game you can just be like the guy who wants to bring disco back by re-establishing the soviet union or whatever but um mm -hmm. you know the way i approached it was how I approach my own, you know, philosophy when I'm, you know, in those long car rides, just me thinking, how do I relate to the rest of the world? And, uh, am I an artistic person? Am I a work of art as a person? You know, cause art is the thing mm -hmm. I care about. That's what I'm all about. First word of my Tinder bio is art. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, there, there's so many different ways to approach it. And for me, like that whole, what am I really thing is is that's the angle I I took it from, and it's uh, you know how many games can you say something like that for, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's that's, really uh, I'm special. Fascinated to play that now. Yeah, it looks really really good. Um, only got uh, about three more questions uh, written down uh, here for you, so I won't take up uh, too much of your time. Um, the the next one I had was um, looking back, you had positive experiences reaching out to larger youtube channels when you were smaller at the time um in particular accursed farms yeah yeah uh l looking back at this have you had any other memorable memorable experiences reaching out to other content creators besides accursed farms you know i really haven't done it that much because i don't want to take up their time and other than that one song from galaxy gold there's not really a lot i've needed from them you know uh mm -hmm. I i'm not one of those to, like go and send someone a long message saying i'm their fan for me it's just like Mm -hmm. you know the numbers speak for themselves you know this guy has 
quarter million subs, he knows that, you know, I'm his fan. Whether he knows me or not, he knows yes. he's got a fan out there. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, a, <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't really want to bother them. Sorry, that's like a lame answer. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's not my place to just sort of go and mess with their day. I, I I almost felt bad when Ross emailed me back, you know, offering to dig through his computer. I'm like, geez, he wasted all this time <laughs> replying for me just for me to say, ah, oh, don't bother, you know. Oh dear, yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, I'm always surprised when people reply to me when I send out these messages saying, "Hey, would you like to do a a chat at some point?" And um, it always surprised me how positive people are. Like, yeah, sure, I'll be happy to do that. I mean, if they're anything like um, me, like, this is their time. first interview. Like, this is uh, an exciting thing for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, for, for some people it was. Uh, some people have, have done more in the past. Um, yeah, they, they, they all love doing what they're doing and love making content, and they know where, where other people are coming from as well in their requests. So they're very understanding, and always, you know, makes me happy to, to see these people being so supportive yeah, yeah. of other channels as well. Uh, last two questions I had for you here. Um, in regards to your Far Cry 2 video, um, I played that game a long time ago, closer to its uh, release uh, release date. Um, do you feel in Far Cry 2, when the map changed so suddenly in the middle of the game, that that had a negative effect on the narrative the game was trying to portray? Um, that's, that's a tricky question. For me, like, you know, I could give or take Far Cry 2's actual story, you know, there's a bad guy, he's selling guns, got it. Uh, but the the thing that was really interesting yeah. to me in Far Cry 2 was this sense of, like, you're just, like, some fucking hungry wolf out in the middle of the woods trying to kill things without getting killed. And it, it really, and I tried to get this across in my video, I'm probably going to do another someday because I don't feel like I did a great job at it, but it really feels like the world itself is the main antagonist and, you know, all these enemies are just animals in this world. You know, same with, like, the navigation can be super dangerous. If you're looking down at your map, you're probably going to crash at some point, that sort of stuff. And while I wish it wasn't as water-centric, I think that the second map, uh, that sudden shift to, oh my god, I'm here now in this whole new place, I think that did a great job to sort of reestablish, like, oh, you feel like you've conquered this world, you've got a mortar launcher, you've got a flare gun, you've got all these cool guns. You haven't conquered shit, buddy. You know, it's it's like, you're not yeah. going to beat the the chaos of this situation. And I, I think that that sudden shift to the second level did a great job at that. Getting that across and sort of mm -hmm. bringing you back to that sort of sober realization that you're just some fucking guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I th I'm trying to think back to when I played it um, all that, that time ago on the 360. I think I got to that point and I quit. <laughs> I was like, okay. I'm yeah, out. like I like, said, uh, it's, it's so water-centric yeah. that the game does sort of lose me there. But I think in concept, in theory, it's it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. And my last question that I have written down here for you, uh, it's quite a short question, but I think it's an interesting one. Do you think that art can mix with science? Um, I guess you probably watched my Bioshock video. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's where that one came from. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a broad question. I think it can, absolutely. I mean, you know, like, look at, look at something like Star Trek. You know, the whole art influences life thing. We have cell phones now. And Star Trek was probably a big part of mm -hmm. that, honestly. Uh, but as for, like, artistic science itself, artistry in the act of science, that's a tricky one because for science to be good 
it has to be precise. You know, you don't want to muddy it up with your own personal feelings. But then at the same mm-hmm. time, I would say that there is some artistry to like an Einstein or a Newton for having these unique ideas. It's like mm-hmm. having the idea itself, I would say, is the artistic side of it where your own personal perspective and views and biases come in the way. And then the execution itself needs to be totally unartistic. And then like, you know, Einstein's theory of relativity, that is good art only if he can present it and test it in a non-artistic way. It's 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 a tricky situation. Uh mm-hmm. but like I said in that video, like medical science definitely should not be mixing with art. You know, there's like plastic <laughs> surgery, you could call that artful, and it is. But that's not science, that's just performing a procedure. Mhm. What about say those exhibitions where they put uh, bodies on display in different positions? That stuff, yeah, I'm all for that sort of thing. Uh, and, yeah, you know, that's an interesting uh, example. Uh, but again, you know, it's like, yes, the point of it is to showcase the human body to, like, kids and stuff so they can learn. But then they're doing yeah. it in an artistic way, so, you know, cool, good for them. You know, I, I think art can mix with just about everything. It's just a matter of when and how it should you know, I don't want to mix artistry yeah. with how I manage my finances. You know, I'm not trying to make a I'm yes. not trying to make a poetic statement out of you know burning all my money on loot boxes. No, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, what staged as art influence? Like you don't want to mix art with insulin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that could be a you know you you yeah. certainly can, <laughs> but ethically you probably shouldn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. Oh dear. Well, on that note, uh, i got to say it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat with you this evening. I do really appreciate you um, coming down for this. Uh, And uh, everyone can find you on YouTube. You have your two two channels. You're a leadhead uh, on YouTube. Um, You've also got Twitter and Patreon. They can also find you there. Uh, Do you do any uh, Twitch stuff as well? Anywhere else they can find Uh, you? No, like I do some quote-unquote live streams on my Discord, but, you know, I don't really have the internet to do actual live streaming. It's more just you guys hang out and watch me play Hitman or something. That sounds good to me. <laughs> let let it thank you so oh, much. Oh, thank you, man. It's been great.